we are back once again. Uh, well, I guess for the audience watching this, this is your first time seeing him, uh, but we just recorded an interview for his podcast, Wheeling and Dealing with Dave Squeaky Wheels. Wheels with a Z. Thank you so much for being here. Anytime, my brother. Yeah, what, what you were talking about in terms of the, the timelines, uh, one of my favorite radio shows is called The Bonfire. And whenever they do a pre-record earlier in the week, they call it a Terminator timeline because they'll say something that happened on Tuesday, but the show won't come out till like Thursday or Friday. So it's a whole, it's a whole little uh, mind fuck, you know, but we're in the future, future guys. Hello. Yeah. So yes, to everybody in the future, um, check out, uh, before going further with this podcast, uh, Make sure you check out Dave Squeaky Wheels uh, shit because he's got a lot of good stuff out there. He has got two podcasts. Um, you yeah, can find technically, one. I, technically, I have three because uh, I started another side. Like the Wheeling and Dealing was the first one. I had I had the SUP podcast, the Squeaky and Clean podcast, but I hadn't done that in like seven or eight years. And then when the lockdowns and all this shit hit, uh, I was just sitting around being depressed for two months. And I was like, I can't. I can't do this. I need a purpose. I need a way to express my thoughts. So I started with Weaving and Dealing. Um, my buddy DJ Needle uh, was, puts the audio version on northerncoastradio.com. That's his little startup station. And he, he has like a rerun of my episodes every day at four. And then every Friday, we have a brand new episode at four o'clock. And uh, then I started the Two Side Podcast. DJ Needle is uh, otherwise known as Dewan. Uh, he's a good friend of, of mine, actually. He's a very yeah. cool guy. Very cool DJ. Very cool people. Um, check out his his stuff for sure. Check out his his radio station. Um, uh, yeah, and he's he's even got like a CD or two down at uh, uh, Doctor Disc here in Windsor, Ontario. So check that out for sure as well. Oh yeah, a oh, great guy. He he does support the uh, the arts. Like he did a hip hop show specifically, but I know him too support many different genres of music and things. I don't know I said genres like that. Genres. Too yeah. He's a great guy. Great, great, uh, great guy. Great Mason. Support him. Um, speaking of, of Masons, you are not a Freemason, uh, no. but you... I, I, I'm a free man. I'm a free man, not a Freemason. Free man, but you're not a Freemason. No. But you have a connection to uh, at least the Windsor Masonic Temple, in that you and I have done uh, at least two shows here. I think maybe three. I think it was. Yeah, the, I'm pretty sure. This is where we we premiered uh, musical chairs, our version of musical chairs. That's if right. I do recall correctly. Um, talk to me a bit. You know. When you know, I think I've known you for a little bit at this point, but when I first came to you with the idea of doing a show at the Masonic Temple, um, what were your thoughts on the temple as a venue? Like, had you ever been here before? Um, did you have any any ideas that it could be used as a venue for for a show, music, comedy, whatever it might be? Uh, and just what were your think? What were your thoughts about um, kind of bringing your act into? Uh, the Windsor Masonic Temple. Mm, uh, I had never been in one before. No, I, I know peripherally kind of about what you guys are. There's that whole episode of the Simpsons where they do the stone cutters thing. Uh, so that, that was my only uh, prior knowledge to what Freemasonry was. I mean, I know that a lot of uh, individuals around the world are in it and stuff. They just kind of want to do their own thing. So there's a, there's a fly in my fucking apartment and I, I want to, I, I want to fucking carpet bomb this whole place just to kill this mother. Anyway, sorry, can't. Can, I apologize if 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 I do use a, a naughty language. I hope that's okay. You can say <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I just I didn't know uh, what the uh, what the rating was supposed to be or what I could say. But yeah, that fly, that fly has been pissing me off. It, it's, every time you open up the garbage chute in my place, they just they fly out. Like for lack of a better term, they just come buzzing out and they smack you in the face like a fucking like the exorcist, you know. So that that's that's why if I'm if you see me, I'm I'm not conducting a very poorly uh prepared choir. I'm just trying to fan away a fly. It's buzzing around my drink. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'd never been in a Masonic temple uh, ever before. And it was, it was fascinating to me because I, I looked at the artwork and the artwork was interesting. Some of it kind of wigged me out until I understood the history behind it, which you uh, told me about. And like the venue, it just, it felt like, like just kind of like a little dining hall. It was almost like a cafeteria, but the ceilings weren't too, weren't too high. So the projection was pretty good. Um, yeah, like our musical chairs idea worked perfectly there because it's such a confined space and like people, it's not that they sit around top of you, but they're, they're kind of up close so they can feel the experience a little bit more. And uh, I don't know, I like when we get together, we just kind of think of shit on the fly and it works perfectly. Well, we did our show in the upstairs area of the Windsor Sign Temple just because the numbers wouldn't justify the ballroom. Um, where, you know, it has a capacity of like 250. Uh, yeah. Or it has a capacity of like 500 if it's theater seating. Um, and even the the blue room, uh, you know, has a capacity of uh, uh, hundred at least, not counting floor seating. Um, so we did ours in the upstairs area, but I think that's just a good point I like to bring up when we're talking about, you know, I, I think one one problem sometimes with, and this isn't just a problem with the Windsor Masonic Temple, this is a problem with Masonic temples in general, is so often um, people don't recognize their value as a potential venue for holding an event. If they're looking to, to whatever it might be, it could be a, a company event, like it could be a union meeting, um, you know, so many Masonic temples have space available for rent, oftentimes cheaper, but with just as many great services as what you'll find at a quote-unquote traditional uh, a hall. And I think, the, you know, you, we're just a good example of that, right? You've never been to Masonic temple before. Um, you know, if I hadn't have suggested it, like, would you on your own, if you're looking for a venue to hold an event, have thought of the Masonic temple uh, as a potential event? Or as a potential venue. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on your production budget and what you're going for, the space you're looking for. So I would look at all, explore all areas in that regard. But no, it wouldn't be like on my top five just because I never really got, I never really knew about the exposure or anything like that. I mean, the location's pretty good. Um, it was pretty easy to find it's just on the corner. You know, and I'm not going to say where it is, but like, yeah, it's, it's the location when you showed me was good. And I liked, uh, the little events and stuff people would do like potlucks sometimes to show and bring their own food and things like that or there'd be other events they'd have things of that nature which which i did enjoy um the echo i had to get used to at first because the echo like i said the, the ceiling was low but i think because it was such a pretty big hall um the echo kind of threw me off a little bit but i think i don't know i have fond memories there we had we had a lot of fun doing shows there and uh, the people seem to enjoy themselves, you know, those who did show up. So that goes to, uh, I'll throw it in the description, but yeah, the, if anybody's looking for a place to rent in Windsor, check us out. But also check out the Windsor Masonic Temple, but also any Masonic temples out there, you know, don't be afraid to advertise your space and then try to be a part of the, the public. Back in the day, we were all the time. We had events and stuff, you know. Really? But, you know, you... It was it was great having you here at the Masonic Temple. Uh, it was great having you at the Masonic Temple, and it's great doing shows with you. You mentioned at the start of this podcast, um, actually no, it was, it was at it was at our podcast previously. The Terminator timeline is getting all screwed up. You know, it was uh, where was it this podcast? Anyways, you mentioned for a couple months. You know, during lockdown, you kind of sat around being depressed because shows. Were, were canceled right and uh, open mics were canceled all that type of stuff yeah. now that knock on wood our vaccination rates keep going up and our lockdowns uh are being lifted in ontario and throughout canada and even in the united states are you getting back to performing and what's it been like returning to the stage oh it's great i mean uh some places have different like the the place i do on mondays it's, it's fog lounge uh, they have an open mic there and I like doing that venue because some people poo-poo it 
Um, I, I've only known a couple of the comics that have done it, but that's actually the first bar I ever did a show in ever. And it's a, it's a tight, intimate room. There may be seats, like 30 people out front, and then there's like a whole back area uh, beside the bathrooms and everything like that. But I, I like the dynamics and I like the close, the close confines, but also just the sometimes like the crowds up there to see you. They're not there to see you. They're there to just kind of get hammered and, you know, try and, try and get lucky with somebody or hear listen to their friend, friend play or whatever, whatever their intention was that night. So uh, learning how to like be more calm and do crowd control and project my voice a little bit more and enunciate more is why I like doing shows there. So when I, like when I moved downtown to kind of be in a better proximity for all of my shows and cut my, my costs and my travel costs and all that in half. So when that shut down, it's just like, I think we, I think Jason Wilson was the guy who was on Jorgo's podcast. He started, uh, he's like this karate instructor. He's this martial arts instructor. And his famous viral video was Cry Like a Man, where he was talking about how uh, as dudes were taught to kind of suppress our emotions because it, it's, you know, the uh, optics make you look weak or it just makes you kind of feel less than or you're not going to get respect from your peers or your or your significant other, anything like that. And I think it's a fallacy we tell each other. Like, it's not that you want to be an overly emotional. Um, it's not that you want to be overly emotional. It's just that you want to address the emotions and use them as a catalyst to propel you to do better things and to uh, subvert and eliminate the fear. You're not going to totally eliminate the fear, but I think so much of why our society is the way it is because of fear and because we're not, we're not living in a very balanced time. People are very imbalanced. They want to take a pill to solve all their problems. They want other people to solve their problems for them. And you know, it's just being a person with a disability, just uh, somebody, because I, I look at us, people have a disability. We're like built-in problem solvers. So we may have things that hamper us, but we have to look at the world differently in so many ways. And uh, so getting back to your initial point, when, it was more of the second lockdown. The first lockdown, I was like, whatever. I could just kind of just kind of rode that one out. I was white knuckling it. And the second one, I was like, fuck, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I wanted to travel more. I wanted to go travel throughout this great country. I wanted to expand my horizons and be uh, a little bit more of what I wanted. Because this is the first real apartment that I had where I had full independence. And it's just me that's in charge and responsible for everything. So when I was taken away... And when I just had to basically stew with my own thoughts, like it was not good for the first two months. I was in a very, very fragile and uh, vulnerable spot emotionally. So um, I did a lot of exercising, a lot of meditating. I wrote down my thoughts. I did little journals that are all scatterbrained. I can't, some of it I just can't decipher. I'm like, what the fuck was I talking about? Um, but wow. yeah, I started to do the, sorry, go ahead. No, no I, I keep going. Oh, okay. No, I, I thought you had a question, so I, I didn't mean to cut you out. Um, but yeah. I guess, yeah, so the question I had, um, it, you mentioned a word, you, you, you used the word balance. You um, you know, said we're living in a, oh, um, yes. an unbalanced time, which yes, I think is, is probably pretty accurate. Um, but so my question to you is how, how would you define uh, – you know, living a balanced life versus uh, living an unbalanced life. Yeah, I mean, we all fall victim to it sometimes. We have the world at our fingertips, all the information, endless access to information and points of view and data and whatnot, but yet we use it to fucking, you know, try and get somebody canceled on social media or something, some bitch-ass shit like that. I don't know. The, I... We all fall victim to it. And I can honestly say from, from what I'm uh, enjoying right now, without this, I would not have survived this entire year. Like it kept me sane in so many ways for everybody has a different coping mechanism. Cause I don't really like, I like, I like, I'm a social drinker as you've seen me out gallivanting, but I prefer to drink with people, not by myself. So for a little bit, I was drinking by myself. I'm like, this is fucking lame. Like I have, I have nobody to bounce off. I'm just sitting here all sad. Like, fuck that man. Like, let me just write down what I'm feeling. Let me do some deep breathing, some box breathing, and do some guided meditations, which is what uh, they kind of introduced me to when I did this job uh, program at the Y. It's like kind of a 
it's kind of like the unemployed help center where they just uh, give you more access to resources, kind of brush up on your knowledge of LinkedIn, how to network, how to do your resume properly, uh, all the aesthetics and all the little things you may not know. So because of that, uh, the guided meditation was my biggest takeaway. Uh, shout out to Chelsea and all them. I hope they still have funding for that, that program. It's wonderful. They have a new class every year. And uh, the guided meditations, they basically just have somebody uh, talking you through all the things you may be thinking about. And one of, uh, one of the ones that stood to me and the ones I listened to is that your thoughts are just exactly those. They're just your thoughts. Just notice them and let them pass. And so many times we can let the past or what we think of ourselves or how we perceive ourselves define us. I was doing that subconsciously, consciously, whatever. And I was letting it affect uh, my self-worth, what I wanted to do in life, my, my, my comedy too, you know, and, and just like what I was doing, there'd be a few times I listened to my set. And I'm like, I'm being too hypercritical. I'm not just letting it flow naturally. So all that combined uh, brought me to start this podcast and brought me to fucking actually the first episode is a parody of, uh, somebody doing a guided meditation because the whole time I'm, I was listening to it, and I'm like, this guy has the same calm, balanced, uh, very relaxing tone to him. What if something crazy happens? Like, what if somebody's breaking into his place? What if, like, his girl bitched him out? Or what if something uh, kind of caused, like, a ripple in this guy's whole thing? So I, I, uh, the, the sketch is called uh, uh, Mindless Meditation by Jack Pussy Magnet. And basically he just, uh, he does like, he does like the little kind of contrived or the little uh, buzzwords that you'll hear, like, you know, breathe, keep breathing, relax, this and that, he'll do all that shit. And then he'll just go off on a tangent about his personal life and he shares a little too much info or he's very, uh, very, a little too open about uh, sharing his problems during the meditation. So that's how I came up with that. Sorry, I don't know. I hope that made sense. I just, I just kind of went off on a tangent there. It's an interesting tangent to go to to explore. You know, one of my biggest concerns with, and this is kind of something you discussed, kind of you you satirized, right? Uh, is you know, so many people they seem to to. It's not. They seem to have like stopped communicating in a in an authentic way. They seem to just be mimicking, um, mimicking the way, like they'll, they'll use these buzzwords and stuff. Like they'll they'll you know say things like, "I need to be in the now," or "I need to like you know all the, all these kind of buzzwords that are on social uh, media. Mindfulness, you mean like mindfulness, meaning uh, just kind of living in the present as opposed to. Yeah, as opposed to being in the past or worrying about the future. I mean, those are those are good things, but I think like what you talked about when you're you're satirizing, kind of this idea is that some people it's like they they get into this cycle where they're only they only talk in that way. So even if something crazy is going on or whatever it is, you know, it it feels more like uh, they're portraying a character, like a mindful Zen character, whatever it is, than, than actually being a, a, a person like, you know, even on Instagram, you know, Instagram's famous for that. Like there's, there's filters to make people look younger and there's people are Photoshopping themselves into glamorous locations and posting that. And yeah. everything's like hashtag bless hashtag my best life, as opposed to um, any type of, sometimes more more realistic um a more realistic depiction of life as opposed to kind of the hashtags and the buzzwords and the filters and the you know any anybody can say i'm i'm hashtag living in the moment but actually doing that means something very different than just yeah i I hate when people use it it's like oh i'm living in the moment my best life it's like no bitch you just went on a hike and you fucking you're, you're you're next to a tree and your friend took that picture with a timer and a filter and like you said it's a very contrived uh portrayal of what you're actually dealing with i mean you know what you who you actually are is kind of it's kind of funny chris rock had this joke where he's like when you meet somebody on a first date 
uh, depending on your intentions or who you are, it's like you're meeting the representative. You're not actually meeting them. <laughs> you know? So I, I feel like uh, we've all become our own little, our own little publicists, our own little uh, people just to kind of fabricate an image or, or to pump up an image of us. And, you know, we're all victim to it. They're, they're, we're very, uh, who is the Greek, is the Greek myth where he looked at himself in the water? Oh, Adonis. I think it was Adonis. It was like yeah, where he looked at himself in the water and he loved himself so much he drowned in the water because he just wanted to be with him. You know, there, there, there's, a, there's a, and the algorithm rewards that. It's, it's kind of this whole placebo, not placebo, but it's this whole um, meta thing where it's like we are the algorithm because we're giving the algorithm data and information. So all it's doing is propagating what we put out there. So apparently what we like is we like ourselves and we like to be told that we're awesome and anything that deviates from that is, is problematic or whatever, whatever word you want to attest to it. And that's, that's another thing I realized during these, this shit is like a lot of people were barely hanging on mentally and all this shit exacerbated it, whatever you want to think of the political implications and, you know, the treatments and all that, I think it exposed a lot of uh, frailties when it came to how uh, unhealthy we are and just mentally, physically, and everything. And, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, my, my weight's fluctuated. It's gone up and down. I lost a little bit, gained a little bit here, especially when the, when the clubs and pubs opened up. I was out, I was out like everybody else, <laughs> you know? But I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it just kind of exposed all of it, and we're dealing with the repercussions. Yeah, absolutely. I like that idea, right, where we're all, we're all our own uh, publicists now, right? It's about, and, and like you said, you know, the, the algorithm, right? Everybody on YouTube knows of the mythical algorithm. Uh, you know, this idea of like, and then that's very, very interesting and, and challenging because, you know, it's very hard to, I don't even know how you separate uh, content from the the reactions that you get like somebody will say well i'm i'm i just post whatever i want and i'm people can like or not like but to say that there's not a reaction to getting a lot of likes or hearts or even some people who are contrarian they may get off on the idea of getting a lot of dislikes and getting a lot of uh, uh negative comments they may feed off of that and they may recognize that, you know, if enough people hate you, enough people will like you just as a reaction to that. And then, you know, you can become famous. You know, a lot of people seem to have the approach now of they'll start by trying to piss off people. And if they piss off sufficient number of people, say, on the, the left, then everybody on the right will automatically like them or vice versa. Or it could be about anything. Yeah. yeah. It seems like we're... we're everybody is is creating and calculating this image that they think will as you said you know best please the algorithm um and then it's fine when that's just online i guess but it seems that that online attitude is now seeped into daily conversation like, yes and yeah that's the problem any problem. thoughts on what a, what a possible solution is since we can't get rid of social media or the algorithm it seems to be here yeah for better, of course. sure sure i mean in, in some cases you need it to connect with people i think it's amazing there's people that i that are like around my family who i've never met or didn't even know existed that i've met because of these, these softwares and applications so they, they can do a lot of good too i'm not saying it's all one-sided but there's a reason why the creators of these apps and the proprietors of them don't let their children uh go on them and they, they, they're, very, they're very cautious and regimented. It's the same people that develop the bells and whistles for casinos because they know subliminally they'll get whatever, whatever part of that brain, whether it's the, prime, the, the primate brain or whatever type of that brain, the, mammal, uh, the reptilian brain, rather. Uh, if you're invoking an emotion, then that's how you get people to stay on your app as long as possible. And, you know, it's, it's effective, man. There's the reason why we're in the predicament that we're in. in order, with the steeping it out into real life, I think it's because we were like away from our friends and the shit that we love to do for so long that bleeds into real life. And I think it's very dangerous. And that's why I think it's important to 
you know, delete the apps off your phone or whatever device and just go outside, go for a walk, talk to actual human beings in real life. And you'll realize that a lot of this is just fabricated and doesn't, you know, you don't know everything has to be about your beliefs and this and that. If it is, you're kind of a, a shallow or hollow person. Because I don't know anybody that says, well, I really like this person, but, you know, unless it's super egregious and they're hurting somebody. But, you know, it's like, it's like the Yankees and the Red Sox, the fucking, uh, you know, Capulets and the Montagues, Jets and the Sharks, whatever else. It's, it's just some dumb, dumb rivalry. And like, a, there's a lot of unhappy people that need other people to be miserable with them. And that's why they stay on that all day. And that's why they want to bring this into real life. Most people just want to, you know, do their job, work till whatever, uh, make sure their kids have a decent life, make sure they have a decent life and, and just go on about their business. I don't know. I, uh, I talk to people from all walks of life and there's some, I'm sure they have different views and opinions, but I don't, I don't ask them and I don't really give a shit. If we have fun with each other, that's all it should matter. Does that just have to do though with the extent to which you know somebody? And like that's that's kind of a weird danger of of the social media landscape is that you know if I'm if I'm out at uh, the bar or working or whatever it is like I will have a relationship with with somebody that's it, it only extends insofar as that that physical space so sure. something you know it's very unlikely less unlikely now which is a problem but the idea that like uh you know uh, the covid vaccines or something is going to pop up you know is probably not going to happen because it won't be relevant to my interaction with that person at that moment but on social media you know because there's no there's no um there's not really a defined relationship like where they're called friends or followers or whatever it is but nobody really knows what that means you know i can just be idly you know scrolling through my news feed and then oh i find out that this person that i'm friends with because i met them at the bar is you know insane and thinks that you know and suddenly all the crazy pops out you know like very strong people who don't get vaccinated Uh, i'm not a fan of them but I, also, I oftentimes wouldn't know that they're not getting vaccinated unless they post it on Facebook. You know, if not for that, uh, they would just be the guy I met and seem like a, a friendly dude, you know. And so I think it's one of the neat and challenging things about social media is there's no defined parameters of the relationship in the same way there is. You know, I, if I'm a coworker, I know what the relationship is and what I need to do with that coworker to have a successful relationship. In that case, you know, as colleagues, you're, you're in a you're in a different setting though, because if it's a coworker, it's somebody that you have to coexist with as as well as work with. So there's a common goal. There's a, there's something you can push towards, and if you do have differences and whatever, you can set those aside for uh, what you're trying to achieve. It's a it's different when it's a whole society and people have uh, different things that they want to achieve. Like I don't know. To to me, it doesn't it doesn't really matter though, because like. I forget who brought this up, but it's like, you know, I, I, I could go to the Italian guy who works at like a grocery store to get this. I could go to the, uh, the Moroccan cab driver to do this. You know, I could go to this guy to do that. That's why I love Canada and like North America as a whole. We're one of the, I guess Europe too, in parts of Australia, but one of the few places where literally you meet people from all across the world. And otherwise you would never even talk to this, this guy, girl or whatever. And, you know, it's not saying you have to be really, I'm not saying you'd be friends with everybody. Like I'm certainly not friends with everybody. I have a different personality. Some people are a bit more extroverted, introverted. We're a little bit of, you and I are both a bit of column A, column B. I think you tend to be more introverted uh, compared to me though. But, but even, you know, you brought up the idea of like, you know, so with a, with a colleague, with a coworker, you have a common goal. And so it's just about setting aside everything to focus on that goal, which is true. But I also think, you know, in our day-to-day interactions, like there, there is a, a goal. So if everybody's at the bar, for example, I mean, some people may have nefarious 
desires. But by and large, you can assume if we're all out at the bar, you know, the goal, the collective goal is to have a good time mm. for that night. So, you know, you're not going, same thing with like, say, if you're visiting family, right? They always say, don't bring up religion or politics around family. So that's an example. I don't, dude. I fucking don't because I don't need to hear any of that shit. I, I think keep that to yourself. Like, don't, yeah, don't keep that shit to yourself. More people need to imply that old school mentality. It's just so exhausting and it's boring at this point. But that's good advice. I agree. People should, you know, when you're having dinner, because there's a, 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 there's a parameter in what you're there for. You're there for dinner with your family. Yeah. But on social media, there's no parameters. So, you know, the world would probably be a lot better place if nobody discussed politics or religion on social media and people just kept that to themselves. Or or yeah, but or have a place for it, you know. I just you're talking about when it bleeds into uh, real life. Like nobody cares if your aunt Sarah fucking, you know, next to it's a picture of a casserole, and then she's got like, you know, she's got like some unseen photo or whatever, or she's getting into an argument with her. It's like that's the worst way to talk to somebody. Like either call them on the phone or meet them in real life. Like I don't know. There was a little thing. It's when it's second lockdown or something like that. I don't know. I was just, uh, yeah, I don't have to get to what the topic was. I barely even remember, to be honest with you. All I remember is that I barely knew this chick. I met her at, like, a show one time. I think she was an entertainer. She was related to comedy somehow. And she's like, I was just trying to be nice and be like, you know, because they're worrying about it. They're worrying about something stupid. I said, you don't have to worry. Most people are going to be fine. Like, this is sensationalized, and I get we all need a boogeyman, but you worrying about this is not going to help. I was trying to be a friend. I'm like, say, you know, when your friend's acting irrational or like trying to, you're literally talking them over the ledge. And it turns out irrational people or people that are a bit more high strung or whatever uh, don't like to hear logic or they don't like to listen to something that doesn't make them feel uh, comforted because it's, it's, it's a feeling thing as opposed to reality. So I don't know. I, I'll be honest if I fucked up. I don't think I fucked up here. It's just like her and her little her little silly friends started, you know, teaming up with me or whatever. I turned off the notifications because I'm like, I can't deal with this. And then some chick who I had never met before from Toronto. I'd never, I never knew him for Ad. Excuse me. I didn't know her from Adam. She said, hey, listen, uh, I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. She's like, I don't know. It says a lot about their character. If they're willing to attack somebody who's just trying to help or just trying to be positive. She said, you know, that, that's that's. She's like, I'll never talk to her ever again. Like that really exposed a lot of her character. And I don't like that. And I said, so you don't, you can do whatever you want. You can keep talking to her. It's just, I had to turn that shit off because, you know, it wasn't even a you thing. It was just, some, like you said, sometimes it's your friend, no matter what their thing is, if they're going through something, sometimes you have to be real with them and be like, you're, you're making this bigger than it actually is, you know? Hashtag turn off notifications is very good advice. Yeah, more people yeah. should do that for sure. Yeah. So, I do want to go, um, you know, bringing this back to um, uh, Freemasonry, or you know, I I think one of the biggest challenges that Freemasonry is going to be facing in Ontario, especially is um, when we return to our lodges, because our in-person meetings have been suspended since um, May of last year. So for a year and a half, we haven't met in person. It's all yeah, been online. It's all been virtual meetings. We've done a lot of virtual stuff. There has been some, you know, um, informal gatherings and obviously masons are still seeing each other and, and all of the administrative work and paperwork and charity and dues it's still been going on to an extent but returning to a lodge um after so long away uh going to be an interesting experience what was it like for you uh, we talked about this though at the start but returning to a comedy club were there any nerves about getting back on stage after so long and also, oh, just yeah. around that many people again, like we go from lockdowns where, you know, you're, we're all kind of isolated and we're seeing far fewer people to you're in a, you know, fog is not a big venue. No. It is a landmark, but it's not a big venue. And now you're around people, you know, a lot of people again, and you're performing in front of them. 
what was it like nerves wise? What was it like anticipation wise? And, and how did you deal with those things? Yeah, well, the, the getting on stage was the nerve wracking part because I've been doing this for a little bit. Uh, you know, we've known each other from for I think about a decade, if not slightly longer than that. So I, I know my way around up there. It's just getting back up there and like Kyra Griff, because I'd been out the, the, the first day that places were allowed to open. I was out there. I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take the isolation and be There's only so much Netflix. There's only so much writing. There's only so much whatever you can do. It's like, I need to see people that are not my family, that are not my immediate, whatever. So I, I, the being around people thing never waked me up. I just didn't, I refuse to be, I, th- I think the fear of this or the fear of all that. Sorry, I'm talking to Cameron's uh, picture now. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm still here. My battery's, my battery's running low. So I'm just going to be uh, grabbing my charger. So I'm on the move right now, but keep talking. Okay, okay, man. Yeah, like the, the fear and stuff was just never my thing. If people are vaxxed or not vaxxed, it's, we're sharing the same air, so it'll be what it'll be. And like I, you know, I hadn't really been sick since my first bout with it. So I was not going to, I was pretty confident. Um, I just needed to see people. I think that the isolation and the being on your phone all day and connected to electronics all day is what's going to kill you faster than, than the disease itself. Just, uh, not getting enough sunlight, not being around your family. It goes against every every single uh, part of your being and just how we evolve. So that didn't bother me at all. The getting on stage and, like, the, the nerves is what kind of waked me up. But, like I said, it was a small crowd, so that was pretty good. I'm not sure it'll be, like, next week when it's not a holiday Monday. So that I will find out. But, no, it, it never really bothered me. I just wanted to, I wanted to be able to express myself. And, like, I had... I had a few jokes and a few bits I had done prior before the third lockdown. So I wanted to kind of expand on that and keep trying those out to see what they are. Because they're like little seeds that you plant. Excuse me. Excuse me, guys. That burp. <laughs> that was a powerful one. There's little seeds that you plant. And then you want to see how it grows. And uh, you got to do it in front of different crowds and all that good stuff. So I was just happy to be up there. They had like little panels in front. Some, <coughs> excuse me. Some places have uh, kind of like plastic in front to kind of cover the front of the stage in case you sneeze or whatever. But it's like once you're not, you know, once you're not in that plastic, then it's not good anymore. I don't, that to me, they, they're doing what they have to do. I can't really fault the business. It's just, it's a little, little silly to me. Um, but yeah, once I was up there, I uh, you can watch the whole set on my Facebook because I streamed it live on Facebook. It was, it was just... It felt like I was supposed to be up there. It felt natural. There was a lot of energy, even though it was a small crowd. I hope there's even more energy tomorrow on Monday night. Well, it'll be later for you guys. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, just, I just wanted to uh, – there's nothing like being up there. I just wanted to feel that feeling again. And, uh, yeah, it's not, nothing compares. Nothing compares at all. Is that um... – I, the idea of, of nothing comparing uh, to comedy, or for you, nothing comparing to, to comedy. Yeah, I've always wondered. Do you think that, like, is that a choice that uh, you made, or do you think that that's something intrinsic? So, you know, Freemasonry, uh, uh, whatever it is, like. When it comes to the things that people love and the things that people uh, find that they they can't live without, no matter if they find it frustrating or annoying at a time, do you think that that's an intrinsic thing that you're just naturally going to always be drawn to comedy, or do you think that that is something that comes from just practice and and years of doing it, or some combination therein? I don't know. Like every single show, I'm I'm shitting my pants. I'm always nervous a little bit. That's never change and i think just because the passion's still there uh you know i have other things i enjoy doing like to me if you're just always obsessed with comedy or whatever then you're going to miss out on all the other great aspects of life um i think especially for performers or anything anybody who's in a very intense and specific location uh, if you learn a skill or have a hobby outside of that i think it it's crucial because for one, you're going to, like we spoke earlier, you're going to talk to people that are not in that world, just kind of everyday people or people that 
don't understand that world and they'll get a new perspective, a new appreciation. And it'll be more grounding because then all your perceived problems or whatever you feel like in, about in your industry won't feel so big because the whole group of your friends or people that you hang out with don't care or know that much about it. They'll just ask you like, oh, how's it going? And you'll just say, oh, it's doing this and this and this. They're like, oh, that's good. And then you just move on to the next thing. <laughs> like most people are just doing their thing. They don't really, you know, it's not to say that they're dismissive, but most people don't care. Like they got their own lives and their own, their own lives to live. So I think going back to the online stuff, everything gets so heightened because it's permanent because, you know, a wall post or text can stay there till whenever. When it's just you out in the world, it's just kind of, just kind of a part of this amoeba. And you're you just think that that's a, a problem? The, the permanence of uh, social yeah. media? I'm just going to. You, I know, you, know what, you know what, dude? It's just going to make people going to make people be more honest with themselves if it's if it's not then it's going to drive them insane which is what we're witnessing but you know it's okay um yeah fix you, yeah your friends will laugh there but no, I, I think uh what is it yeah i i think it's it's you know it's going to make them to me what i found is the more you just own your shit nobody can really take anything from you you know because you're like yeah that's me whatever as long as you didn't as long as you didn't commit an egregious or heinous crime you didn't hurt anybody uh, like that, and nobody can listen to shit to you, man. But what about for the? So there's the the kind of cancel culture hashtag stuff, which is, I think, kind of we we both agree, but I'm certainly not a fan of it. I don't think it's it's particularly yeah, healthy. It, it's um, very short sighted, and and the people that are pushing it don't have it. I'm not speaking for all them, obviously. You can have different reasons. There's a, there's different people that come from all walks of life to support a, a cause or whatever. But I think a, a lot of them don't have, they're very short-sighted in terms of their perspective. And they think that everybody always thinks that they're right until they're not. And they don't think it's going to come for them because if you not, if you don't step, if you step out of line or if you say anything contrary, then you're out of there. And, and it's, it's, it highlights the worst aspects of people in a group, people in a group, or like you said, are supposed to have a common goal, or even if you don't have a common goal, at least be there to kind of help and support each other, not throw each other the bus. It's it's like it's like the oppressed are becoming the oppressors, and the bullies want the bullied want the revenge on the bullies, but they're becoming everything that they hate. So it's kind of ironic. So there's there's that side of it, but then you know, in terms of the permanence of 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 social media or the internet, right? It's written in, in ink. You know, there's there's also we've all everybody has off offline in the quote unquote real world said or done something that they regret and sure. then you know wish they hadn't done it, but it's it's when you say it it's kind of ethereal. It's just it it kind of disappears except in the memory of yourself and you know if you said it to somebody they they will remember. Um, but when you say or do something you regret online, um, even if you go back and you try to erase it and you get rid of it, you know, people can take screenshots of it. People can save it. People can find it somewhere. It's out there, uh, uh, in the world. And, you know, it, it's, is it one of those things where, and you see this with, with organizations, Freemasonry, you know? somebody said or did something stupid you know when they were much younger or are pictures out there of them doing something dumb or stupid much younger um and then you know that or they say something and maybe it's not that they say something and they don't really have strong opinions about it but they just throw it out there and then somebody takes offense to it like and then that gets dredged up you know uh, uh the past kind of stays with you forever now right and do you think that's a problem with social media? Like, does there need to be some type of, uh, of uh, you know, are you sure you want to post this type of thing? Or, you know, the ability to go back and, and or yeah, should it just I, be, you know, once you post something, then that's it. That's what you posted. And you can just own it later and say, I regret posting that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the time, you know, I was young or whatever it is. I, I don't know if you're under this notion or uh, familiar with this idea, but it's, to me, history is there so that we can learn from it. 
you know, deleting it's not going to, or saying it didn't exist doesn't, doesn't mean you condone what you did at the time. I mean, it, it just happened. Like, everything, people are complicated. They say things when they're emotional, under distress, or you don't know what's going on in their life. So you're going to take a little snippet of their life and just uh, and say that that's who they were, that's who they are right now. Like, that's, it's, it's a very... It's a very infantile and short-sighted way to look at life and to look at people, unless there's a pattern there. If there's a pattern there, then I think that, uh, and if they are uh, inflicting some type of harm or doing some type of heinous crime, then yeah, you should investigate that. But I think people just want to do that, again, to make themselves look big and to make themselves feel bigger than they actually are. And it's, it's a real sign of insecurity. That's really what it comes down to. If you have to shit on somebody else who not not even if they're successful or not or whatever to make yourself look good, to give you some clout or be like, look at me, look at me. I'm a good person. That's the last fucking person I trust. Cause it's like, Oh, if you'll turn on somebody you barely know like this, how are you going to, what are you going to do? Your friends, your family, the people who are close to you. Like it's, that's, that's a fucked up mentality to have. And to be so naive and think it's not going to happen to you. You don't understand history and you don't understand people, history or humans, the two H's are two pinnacle aspects to understand and and like the, the permanence of it to answer your question i think it's just going to be it's just going to be something that we have to adapt to and like i said before earlier if you just own your shit and we try to you know it depends on what you're doing obviously there's a time and a place but if you just own who you are then most people will forgive you because if they're honest with themselves they know that they've had moments in their life where they were less than that they were less than proud of or they said something off kilter and uh it doesn't define you it's just it's just the aspect of you it's so silly to dwell on that and if you dwell on that then you're gonna live there and that's what i was talking about before uh examining all this stuff i'm like wait a minute this happened however many plus years ago this is me however many plus years ago why do i care about that now i'm in a different spot and you know, I think that that's a, a good place to to leave it, right? This idea of, uh, you mentioned being in a different spot. I think one thing is certain is that pretty much everybody is probably in a very different spot from what they thought they would be, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. Whether it be comedians, Freemasons, almost everybody, you know, has, has had some significant adjustments to make over the last little bit. Um, and in your case, right? those adjustments as with a lot of people seem to have been um, going online, the podcast, putting out, putting out content and connecting with people through your podcast. Uh, So throw those out there again, your, your three podcasts. And also uh, people want to follow your comedy. uh, Where do they go? And I'll put this stuff in the description to this video as well. Yeah. I, you know, just to add on that thought before we end, I think, uh, so many people are afraid of introspection because they're going to learn about themselves, maybe something they never knew or some trauma that they were hiding. I was watching a movie called uh, Indian Horse, which it was trending on Netflix because uh, for those of you guys, if you're watching this outside of Canada, we had uh, residential schools in this country for like 300 plus years, almost like that, where they literally, the Catholic church and other churches would take Native American kids and they would strip them of their culture, make them cut their hair, and make them convert to whatever religion the, res- the residential school was being funded by at the time. And so many atrocities happened there. I'm not going to get into that. But I was watching uh, Indian Horse. And it's about this kid who is in the 50s. His parents, uh, his, his brother died of tuberculosis. It's based on a book by Richard Wagamies. So his brother died of tuberculosis. And his parents took him back into town to get... Uh, buried into like a, a Catholic uh, cemetery or something like that. So he was left with his grandmother and his grandmother tried to bring him to Menaki, which is a Native American reserve, which is kind of like, the, it's not really government land or anything. It's just kind of rural and it does its own thing. So they were, at least in the movie, I have to read the book a little bit more. I think there's a few details that are changed, but uh, the grandmother dies and uh iron horse is named saul sorry excuse me indian horse saul indian horse is his name he gets taken and put in a residential school and when he's in a residential school uh just horrible shit that i talked about happened there 
and he learned how to play hockey there. And he learned because he would take horse turds, frozen horse turds, and shoot them as a puck and just practice the shot like that. So long story short, he like rises up in the amateur ranks. He's about to go pro. And then as he's about to go pro, something stops him. And he doesn't know why, you know, it's the seventies. So people were, you always had a, diff, a, a very, uh, a very turbulent relationship with native Americans, not just in this country, but the whole continent. You know, it's, it's, we, we typically only show the one side. I'm not saying all tribes were angels and there wasn't atrocities committed there, but how this, how the film portrayed it was every time we'd score a goal with like throw a tom, like, you know, uh, a, ch- a chief on the ice and stuff like that and do the, the woo-woo-woo thing and all that stuff. And it was very, like you can tell it was getting to him like mentally and he just quit. So uh, I won't spoil too much, but spoiler alert at the end of the movie, uh, it's revealed that while he was in that residential school, he was the victim of some abuse. I'm not going to disclose it. It was, it was abuse, horrible, horrible abuse. And he had been suppressing that for a long, long time. And he'd gone through about to drinking, stopped playing hockey. He was just like this, this vagrant derelict who was just kind of going everywhere, just kind of lost. <clears throat> and it, was, it wasn't until he acknowledged his trauma at the end of the movie and at the end of the book, I think, where he was finally able to move forward and finally able to push forward. And, uh, yeah, and then he just created a whole new identity for himself because he went to another – he went to the hockey team he felt the most around because there was Native people and he felt like he actually had a real family again. But my point was that I think a lot of people during this have had underlying things, whether it's relationships or issues with themselves or introspective or – the things that they weren't addressing and kind of pushing off to the side that were pushed into the forefront. And uh, I think that you can only move forward if you address that shit. So the, the people that are addressing that shit and are at least, at least have, uh, I don't want to say gumption. I think it takes a lot of, a lot of balls and a lot of, uh, a lot of self-worth when you realize your self-worth then you don't have to put it in the hands of other people. You know, and so many, especially people in the arts, we, we put our self-worth in the hands of other people. You know, not just the audience, but we need validation and all this other stuff, the business aspect. So I think, uh, yeah, if you can just get past that, which, like I said, it took, it took, I only speak for me personal, personally, if there is a silver lining to all this. It made me finally get over some shit that I didn't even realize was hampering me for the longest time. So I hope more people can do that. And I think we'll be better off and not be afraid to express ourselves. And then we don't have to let that shit define us, you know? Introspection is a good thing. And yeah, that that's true probably on an individual basis. That's probably true on a organizational basis, Freemasons, even political basis or, or country of the state, right? Is, is, taking the time to uh, you know be introspective and 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 be honest with yourself and think about um, just taking time to think about yourself and then you're, you're interacting and yeah. Yeah. hopefully people you know used the the lockdowns um, you know and and used the last year and a half to, to do that um, have you ever seen the movie The Count of Monte Cristo or like part of the book basically? Oh, I, I know that I know it. Yeah, I saw the movie ages ago, but yeah, he, yeah, yeah, the, the count in the jail. And all yeah, that. he, he completely transformed it. This whole year, it just felt like the world was in jail. We were all on timeout, but and you know, some of us faltered, but other ones became a count or we completely transformed our identity. That That's why I bring up the individual stuff that the organizational and every when the, the group stuff, I think, takes a little bit longer. Um, but if you have, if you can fix yourself or at least address the things that are hampering you, that's how you change the world. That's how you truly can find some peace because there's so many people that don't have that peace and are wrestling with other shit. And that, that's, it affects not just your life, but the people around you. So that's what I mean by, that's why I focus with the individual because the individual is where the change is truly made. Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of. There's an interesting tension. Um, 
Right. I mean, that, and that's like a Jordan Peterson thing and then all these cats, right? There's a bit, there's interesting tension between um, individual uh, uh, action and then kind of collective, not even action, but the the collective consequences that can result from individual action for good and for ill, right? Um, yes. Yeah. It can be... It can be easy to to right, make the argument I'm an individual, so I can do what I want, and it you know it affects me and only me. Um, I don't know if we're always so good at recognizing the collective consequences of individual behavior. Yeah, I mean, what, you what, can, yeah. You know. what, what I meant by the individual is that in a positive sense. So if something is affecting you in a negative sense, i.e., like you're not showing up for work anymore, or you have strain relationships with close people that are close to you, things like that. I, what I mean is that make the change in a positive way, something that's giving you purpose and that, that you would do for free. You know, what's the expression? You do something you love, you never work a day in your life. And uh, the positive aspects of that, I think, are endless. So, yeah, I, I mean, we can be short-sighted with how it's going to affect everybody else and you should be mindful of that. But what I'm saying is that be mindful of yourself and know yourself first before you can know others. Where, where can people find you? Um, whether it's for your podcasts or your socials or your comedy or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So you can, uh, if you want to look at it from my podcast, all three of them, um, I'm looking to do a Patreon for uh, one of them. But uh, this, my three podcasts are called Wheeling and Dealing. You can listen on youtube.com slash Dave Squeaky Wheels, D-A-V-E-S-Q-U-E-A-K-Y Wheels with an S. Uh, You can also listen to it on Northern Coast Radio, N-O-R-T-H-E-R-N-C-O-A-S-T radio.com. That's my boy DJ Needle's uh, site. It's a startup uh, internet radio station. Um, So please go support him. We want to expand that and expand the facilities. Uh, My other podcast, Wheels and Wells. It's with myself and my good friend and disability activist, Mr. Cameron Wells. He is a DJ at CJM 99.1 FM. Um, Yeah, listen to his stuff there uh, if you're in the Windsor, Detroit area. Uh, Wheels and Wells, we just talk about issues that maybe the mainstream doesn't focus on, about uh, all aspects of disability history and life. Um, The last two episodes we did are about dating. So... Uh, dating uh, somebody with a disability or dating uh, from the perspective of somebody with a disability and relationships. And then my other podcast is called X Marks the Thought, T-H-O-T. It's with adult film star and a good friend of mine, Maxine X. She was Canada's uh, top fetish porn star. And uh, she's a real, she's a real delight and a real firecracker. We, uh, we're going to, that's the one I'm talking about. We might do a paid system because we're going to answer some questions. There'll be like kind of a relationship advice show. Uh, and sometimes we just like to get hammered and just talk for a little bit. Um, Instagram at Dave Squeaky Wheels, D-A-V-E-S-Q-U-E-A-K-Y-W-H-E-E-L-Z. Sorry if I spelled that too fast. Um, yeah, just Dave Squeaky Wheels. And Facebook, uh, Dave Squeaky Wheels, same. Just look me up there. Um, yeah, let's see. LinkedIn, Bumble, fucking Hinge. No, I'm just, I don't have any of that. Uh, I'm very, I'm very much unsigned. Um, yeah, just uh, follow my Facebook, follow my Instagram stories and my YouTube uh, for all of my shows and dates. Um, I'll be seeing more of those uh, hopefully in the next couple months when things get back and moving. Uh, because I know I like life and I, life is not staying in your freaking house all day, being scared about every little thing. So, yeah, go follow my stuff. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Cam. Uh, you're you're an officer and a gentleman. I appreciate you. I don't know about that, but it is very nice to. Uh, it's been great to have you on. I was happy to be on your podcast, and it's great to have you on my podcast. Uh, all the all the things that Dave said, you know, for me, like, subscribe, comment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I got patron. Um, all the things you can do to support the podcast, support the podcast. Uh, uh, I'll give my, my normal plug. Uh, I agree with Dave 100%. Um, we got to, you know, people got to 
be able to get out and enjoy life and see each other um, and see their uh, uh, friends and perform and go to live comedy shows and support Dave. The best way to do all that safely is get vaccinated. So do that and then go out and enjoy enjoy your life um, and go see Dave perform at Fog on Mondays at the open Mondays mic. At night. Mondays at night. Mondays at nine at Fog and just go to Fog because, you know, the Windsor, it's a Windsor staple, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it was Canada's, I think it was probably Canada's most uh, popular rock and roll bar. He has acts from all over the world. Uh, Tom is a G, so go support him. He, uh, he supports artists and we need more of that shit. Absolutely. I concur completely. And with that, another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much.